some shots of some ballparks where uh, well, well first we got this uh nice looking garage oh that isn't uh, a ballpark I mean, no, that's, that's in a ballpark, uh, but I don't know that that's the ballpark. So anybody yep. anybody viewing this, this is Scott's backyard. This is Scott's garage. That's a big green monster yeah. that you got back and there, I, Scott. I have to tell you, I, had a, it, it's, I didn't really expect to do something like that. And then I found out that uh, you could actually buy the paint that they use at Fenway Park. I think it was either Benjamin Moore or Sherwin-Williams, one of those two-company paint. Oh, paints. wow. And I couldn't find it in New York, and I actually had to get on a ferry on the end of I'm on the eastern end of Long Island, so I got on a ferry. I was going up to Newport to check out the field, and I made it a point to find some paint store that had the, quote, Fenway series. And I brought back two gallons, the yellow, small thing of yellow for the uh, foul pole, and they had red, which I haven't used yet. Um, so we ended up painting the house, actually, the same damn color. <laughs> but we, uh, I painted it... Uh, green and then I uh, did the scoreboard add a little black to the green and I did the scoreboard everything was done by me by hand but as you can see the Cardinals win that game four to two it's game two of the 2013 World Series that's awesome. the last batter up where'd you find this Sitco sign well that's a great story um, so I go online I'm checking out the eBay and I'm looking for a Sitco sign and we had our tournament at Rickwood Field, which is my favorite field, by the way, in Birmingham, Alabama. And I find a sign, and it actually will light up. And it's from somebody in the middle of Tennessee, just off Route 65. And I called the guy up, and he wanted 400 bucks for it. I said, you know, I really would like it, but uh, that's not in the budget. And he goes, so how about uh, if I came by and picked it up, would you take $200 for it? And he goes, sure. So I told him I was playing in Birmingham. I was going to stop up on the way. And the guy had a great big barn full of signs. And we uh, weaseled it into the back of my trailer. And then I had to basically put it on a sled. You don't see the back part of the garage, but it's on a, on a sled that had to be perfectly angled. And I bolted it onto the thing. And when it plugs in, it looks like uh, it's fabulous. I mean, it's, it looks brand <laughs> it, new. It is pretty much brand new. Yeah. It's just, you know, the uh, further test- testimony of my psychotic baseball being <laughs> 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 or whatever. And then, and then on the other side of the house, I don't know if you've shown that picture yet, but that's uh, we had our back of our house was covered in ivy. And there's a famous picture of Kurt Flood. Yeah, we showed that earlier. Like, oh, you did. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that's uh, uh, from the Sports Illustrated cover of 1968, where it said baseball's best center fielder. And my graphic designer, a lovely young lady who does all our T-shirts and baseball cards, I said, listen, I need to get this printed. And I put uh, uh, PVC pipes, and I, I, I hooked it to the thing, and she put the 400 sign, and we put it up together. And, uh, yeah, that's pretty special. And he, he lasts throughout the year. He doesn't move. And uh, it's great to, to always be able to look at him. And Shelly just fell in love with it. And I have a Lego of that picture from uh, a guy by the name of Wayne Peltz, who was the Cleveland clubhouse attendant, who does Lego portraits. And he said that to this day, it's still his favorite portrait. As he gave me the gift, he gave it to me. I got him several wow. uh, assignments, and uh, he gave it to me as a birthday present, and that's downstairs. And I'm going to, I'm hopefully, I'm going to donate that or lend it to the Cardinals for their Hall of Fame, which Kurt Flood was just put in to the Cardinals Hall of Fame. That's so but, cool. Uh, it's pretty cool. And then I, when we played it at uh, Wrigley, wearing my gray 21 jersey i went out to that spot and had a professional photographer follow me and i 
tried to reproduce the little jump next to the 400 sign, and that is the cover of my business card. Well, you didn't get up as high as Kurt did, did you? No, I did. Now, you can put a dollar bill under my jump. That's all I can tell you. <laughs> so, uh, I just thought, I thought was, the picture. I saw him make a catch when I was a kid at Connie Mack Field in Philadelphia. Wow. That I will never forget in 1968. And uh, he was fabulous. I mean, he just was fabulous. And if you really want to learn about Kurt Flood, there was a great HBO special on him called The Curious Case of Kurt Flood and a great book written by a gentleman by the name of Daniel Snyder called A Well-Paid Slave. I, and, uh, I wonder it, how many players today appreciate what Kurt Flood went none. through. I'll tell you, none. Nobody. You could ask, you could ask Cardinals who Kurt Flood was, and they wouldn't know who he is. That's a, a shame. As a matter of fact, when he was uh, eulogized by Jesse Jackson, former teammates like Gibson and Brock and whatever came to his funeral, but from what I understand, only several, I think David Cohn was one, and a couple others of modern-day ballplayers bothered to take the time to go pay their respects to him. Hmm. And what he gave up, if you ever get the HBO special, if you ever get it, which is another story I'll go into in a second, but if you ever get it, uh, this guy gave it up. Sure. I mean, he, he was a marginal Hall of Famer. I don't think he was going to make the Hall of Fame, but if he had played another three or four years, he could have. Um, and he gave up a very lucrative career. He had issues. He wasn't perfect. He definitely had some uh, problems off the field. But he told Marvin Miller, I know I'm not going to win, but if this benefits players in the future, I'll go ahead and do it. And he did. And there's uh, something to be said about that. Well, Manny Machado just got 10 years, $300 million as a free agent. Yeah. Well, just wait till Mike Trout goes on the open market next yeah, it's, next year it's getting that's going to be amazing uh, it's getting pretty ridiculous yeah. to be honest with you but listen that's that's why you pay 975 for a hot dog and 22 dollars to park your car that's, that's right that's, for sure well we got we're going to have some bargains here in detroit this year i think because i don't think uh they're going to have to do something to get people to come out and uh see some ball games I mean, the tickets might yeah. be discounted, the food might be discounted, but the parking more than likely will not be discounted. Yeah. Don't you know? I don't care. You know, anybody who doesn't want to watch baseball this year, or next year, or the year after that in, in Detroit, more leg room for me when I go and sit out <laughs> sit out home <laughs> on territory. That, I, yeah, I love that ballpark. It's one of my top three favorite ballparks of all time. Well, that's good to um, hear. I like the fact that you can walk around the entire park and never lose sight of the field. That's right. Yep. Um, and the vendors have their backs to the field, so while you're waiting online, you're actually looking at the game, not a TV, mm -hmm. which I think is pretty special to me anyway. Yeah. Um, and I like the uh, behind the home plate area and the lower concourse. They have uh, several uh, tributes to various uh, Tigers players. Mm -hmm. One in particular, mm -hmm. by the way, who I love that is unknown by Tiger fans, and if you don't know this, the history of this guy, is Harry Heilman. Harry Heilman was one of the greatest hitters nobody knows about. And he batted, he was the American League batting champion 21, 23, 25, and 27, and Ruth had the other three years in between. He batted 400 twice, and in those four years had a batting average combined for 394. Wow. I mean, this guy was a hitter, and his name is not out in center field with everybody else's, which is a little... Uh, I think it needs to be rectified. Sure. Harry Heilman, he's in the Hall of Fame, and and a lot of good Tiger fans will know him. But and I do have a tribute to him behind home plate. But Slug Heilman was one of the greatest hitters that nobody knows anything about. 
um, anyway. Hmm. Maybe we need, maybe maybe we need to start a petition. Quick, the yeah. Shelly Flood story? Yes, go ahead. So I got to know Shelly Flood through Facebook, and I had posted the stuff on the, the about the Lego and the, the uh, thing I have on the back of the house. Very, very lovely. And I got a chance to meet her coming home from Japan four years ago. And I knew that HBO had the special, but I never saw it. And she was working for a nonprofit at the time, helping uh, children who uh, were uh, unfortunately afflicted by uh, drug abuse. And uh, I said, by the way, uh, do you happen to have an extra copy of the uh, DVD of your dad's special on HBO? And she said, sure, but I got to charge you 20 bucks for it. So I got to pay. I said, no problem. I said, listen, I'll do this. I'll send you $100, put it towards the, the nonprofit, and uh, I'd love to have it. She goes, great. So I had a baseball trip. I came back. I see the bubble wrap envelope, you know, Scott Green from Shelly Flood. I open it up, and it's got the DVD in it, but there's no note or anything. I was, like, very crestfallen. I was like, wow, Shelly, you could have said, you know, thanks, Scott, some, or whatever. So, of course, I immediately took it downstairs and opened it up. And on the inside flap of the DVD case was to Scott, my dad's number one fan. Yeah. Oh, wow. God cool. bless forever, Shelly Flood. Shelly has been a mammoth friend and supporter of me, play at the plate. We just had two grandchildren born, and she's been all over that, and she's just a lovely, lovely person. And to be able to love something, uh, love a person from afar, I never met Kurt Flood, uh, and then to have uh, that kind of connection down the road in life is uh, pretty special. But again, that's the power of baseball. Mm -hmm. Well, let's let's. I, I don't want to leave that too quickly because that's a great story. But I want to talk about play at the plate. And uh, I, I was you know, not only did I know we were having you on today, but uh, I happened to be at the gym this morning, and they were replaying uh, yesterday's Tiger game at Roger Dean Stadium. Yeah, that's uh, that's where it all started. Uh, we, uh, I, uh, the background basically is this: in 2004, I started playing at the plate. I was playing in several other adult. I didn't invent adult baseball. As a matter of fact, we get our the crux of our clients come from two very large organizations across America, which I'm not afraid to plug: the MSBL, the Men's Senior Baseball League, which started here on Long Island 30 years ago, and another organization uh, called Roy Hobbs, and uh, they run great tournaments. But what we did is we made it a little bit more special. We started to bring people to the stadiums and included the clubhouse, whatever. But that's where it started. And in 2004, I uh, had been playing in several, and I, there was something missing. And for me, it was the clubhouse, that you could go into the clubhouse, you had a locker, it was in the fantasy camp mode without that price tag. There'd be a beer afterwards, you could take a shower, sit around, you know, converse with your friends, throw in lunch. And we get the clubby to do the laundry. I asked you to tip the clubby on the way out, which everybody always did. And we started in 2004. I didn't know where to go. And why not go to the spring training home of the team I love? So I went down to Jupiter because I'm a Cardinals fan. And a great guy who's still a very dear close friend of mine, Chris Eason, embraced the project. And we started the first play at the plate event in uh, 2004 with 24 guys, five of them, which were me, and it's four guys that worked for me and my brother and whatever and my son, so we barely had enough for two teams. And then within five years, we had uh, 12 to 14 teams, and we consistently get 10 to 12 teams a year now for there. So that's that's sort of the event that I live off of. 
Uh, all the other events uh, do make a little bit of money, uh, but it's more for the joy of being able to play in very special places. Uh, you know, we've played at Fenway, uh, Wrigley, PNC, Progressive, Chase, and then uh, for a bunch of years, MLB had found out about us, and we ran Major League Baseball's fantasy camp at the All-Star Game for uh, eight years. Wow. And unfortunately, they gave the program up last year, which was heartbreaking. So, uh, yeah, so we started with that, and... I basically, the, the, the operandi uh, mode is I try to give the players what I would want. Sure. That's and that's, well, that's, we're showing a picture of some. I, what I would want, I try to give to them. And for the most part, it's worked uh, pretty well. Scott, we're showing a picture of some guy sliding into third base and a third baseman totally out of position trying to tag him out. Uh, but that's, I tagged him out. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's, matter of fact, the guy sliding is a very dear friend of uh, mine. You may know him, Brian Daly. Oh, sure, and, Brian. I've, I've yeah. played with Brian in Bradenton a few times uh, with you. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, I've got another picture of Brian made the website getting his rear end tagged out at home by 20 feet also. So <laughs> I was not out of position. I just didn't want to get spiked. Right, yeah, his, his toe's off the bag, Scott. I can yeah. see that. His toe's yeah. off the yep, bag. Yep, yep. Yeah. Actually, that was our first time. I, I have to give the Pirates uh, great credit. So we were playing at Roger Dean and Cooperstown and some other places, and we needed to escalate it a little bit after five years. It was already, to me, it was getting stale. And we, uh, a great person who's still a, a friend of, of mine and still uh, does work for us behind the scenes, Liz Grew. Liz and I uh, said, listen, we got to put out a... Uh, an email to all 30 clubs, major league clubs, tell them this is what we want. We want to come and play. Of course, your team will have to be on the road. We need the clubhouse, blah, 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 blah. And we put it out there. And within one hour, the Pittsburgh Pirates called us. And that was a Tuesday. I'll never forget it. And Friday afternoon that week, I'm in a boardroom in Pittsburgh doing a deal. Nice. We put it out for sale, and it sold out in one day. And uh, we were there three times, Cleveland four times, Fenway twice, and the word got out, and... I don't think there's a major league team that hasn't heard of us and will at least listen to us as far as a proposal is concerned. Uh, I mean, some of the price tags are a little ridiculous, uh, and I know that the clients won't pay it. But uh, for the most part, uh, Cleveland in particular made it affordable so that we could have players come there and, and have a great day. I mean, it just was always a, a two-day event at these parks, except Fenway and Wrigley were one-day events, but everywhere else got to come back the next day, and then we became great friends with clubhouse attendance. And, uh, it was what really escalated plate at the plate as far as uh, you know, a, a real high-end type thing, but never with a gaudy price tag. We had a you know amount of money that we needed to make per player, and uh, we always stayed with that formula. And I uh, eked out a nice little meager living doing this, but just to be around it and... Uh, have baseball as part of my daily life is, is quite a, a reward enough for me anyway. Well, Scott, I've I uh, got to play last year with my son at at Roger Dean and the the fields there, and it, it, you know it's a joy of my life getting to play baseball with my son, and uh, what a what a great place the the clubhouses you know you're in a major league type clubhouse you're playing on fields that are flat not unlike you know. We're here in the north where if you're playing on a field, even at a high school, it's, uh, you know, you don't know what kind of bounce the ball is going to take, whatever. It's just, and and you've you've put together something that's really enjoyable, and that's what, it's a four-day event at at, uh, at uh, Roger Dean, uh, I believe. You, we, we have lunch every day. 
Uh, we're out there playing ball, and everybody is someone of good cheer. You know, these are guys that all yeah, love yeah. baseball. Well, let's take a look. We've got a picture of Roger Dean up there now. Uh, nice ballpark. Uh, I, I really well, enjoy playing. Yeah, Roger Dean Stadium is still a beautiful place. They've made some improvements to it as far as being a fan and watching it. It was a very hot ballpark to sit and watch a game when they put up these fabulous uh, awnings the last uh, year or two. But you have to remember, we're there a week after camp breaks, and uh, as much as I love my best friend Dave Vonderhaar, the equipment manager for the Cardinals, uh, you know he uh, he tolerates us being there a week after having spring training and having to go through eight weeks of uh, immense uh, intensity at work. But you get a chance to play on the backfields that these guys have just played on a week before, and you get one game in the stadium, which in, I think 2006 and seven uh, was voted the nicest. Uh, ballpark in baseball. Well, you've got two groundskeeper by the name of Marshall Jennings uh, won awards for that, and they, he soon moved out to uh, Arizona, and now is the head of a you know, large complex, Salt River Fields, where the Rockies and Diamondbacks play. Well, there but are two. Is, it's, you know, there's no bad hops. There's no doubt yeah, about it. Yeah, that's great. There are two major league ball, pl ball uh, baseball teams that uh, have their spring training there. The Marlins are there as well as the Cardinals. Yeah, uh, and it's yep. it. I'll, I'll attest. It's it's beautiful. Are they still a major league team? Are the Mar Marlins still a major league team? <laughs> uh, as of today, they still are. But uh, who knows what tomorrow may bring? Hey, we. I want to talk about some other places you've been. But before that, a little trivia for you. I was watching the Tiger game uh, last night or this morning. Uh, uh, the the most walk off home runs by a Cardinal. Wow. Oh, um... Let me give you multiple choice. Uh, Albert Pujols, uh, Roger Maris, Stan the Man. Uh, let's just give you those three. I'm going to have to say Pujols because I don't think you know, Maris hit Manny because he's only there for two years. Right. Stan may have, I'm sure, but I'll just go with Albert. Stan hit 12, Albert hit 10. And the major oh. league record belongs to a guy named Tomei. Oh God, what a hitter! All right, well, you you do some other uh, some places that aren't major league. There's there's a, a great tournament that I want to go to as soon as I can figure out how to make it work into my schedule. Is at uh, the Field of Dreams in Iowa. Well, I'll tell you, Field. I'll tell you, Jess. Field of Dreams for me personally was a rebirth. Um, like I said, back in 2007 or eight, we needed to do something else and find major league parks. And they became, unfortunately, after six or seven years of that, it became difficult to keep getting them. I got, I got Fenway again, but guys didn't want to go back to Fenway. And I'd get emails, you know, been there, done that, find something else. And we didn't know who owned Field of Dreams. And someone had told me I was playing in a tournament with them. Green, you got to go to Field of Dreams. I said, oh, man, I go out to Iowa. I mean, I, I can't bring people out there. There's nothing out there. And on Facebook, we decided that we were going to list some possible venues for 2017. And I just remember the guy talking to me, and I put Field of Dreams on the as the last entry. And the response was overwhelming. And I Googled it, who owns Field of Dreams? It's owned by uh, Go the Distance LLC. I called them up and spoke with a beautiful woman named uh, Margie Cola. And Margie, uh, we never did anything like this. Field of Dreams is there for you to basically drive up to, 
go out, have a catch, run around the field, go buy a coffee mug where you pour the hot liquid in it, and the players appear on the outside of it, leave a donation, and leave town. <laughs> little little so shout-out to my buddy Matt Baum, who actually is from Iowa. I lived two houses down from Field of Dreams. So oh, cool. shout-out to Matt Baum out there. <laughs> yeah. yeah and so, so we went out. So I, I said, what would it cost? And it was certainly worth the risk to put it out there. And uh, a great group of guys who now have supported me for close to three years, the Cincinnati Reds Fantasy Camp Group, uh, instantly signed up the blue jays fantasy camp group signed up i sold the remaining spots that day so i sold out field of dreams in one day and i called margie back and said i need another date and she gave me the week before so i got a little crazy because field of dreams one was actually later than field of dreams two (laughs) and we sold that out in a week and uh i went out in june of that year i've never gone to a place before and with uh got to a place and brought a customer to that I hadn't seen before and I went out in June of 17 with my brother Adam and uh, I had a, a good long cry I thought of my father and I thought of my stepfather and, mm. and uh, yeah it is a magical place <clears throat> pardon me and uh, I tell the clients <clears throat> not to uh, go to the field prior to your scheduled game which are only night games there's a beautiful field in downtown Dyersville called Commercial Club Park and they played semi-pro ball there and on Wednesday the day before the event uh, we have a practice and then a barbecue and the town comes out and provides the pork chops and the corn and everything else and we stay in Dyersville at the two hotels Uh, the bars they open for us at night and everybody knows we're there it's great and then we drop a movie screen on the backside of the backstop and sit in stadium seating right behind home plate and under the stars of our beautiful Iowa night we watch Field of Dreams people will come yeah, and they did come, and uh, it really, I have to tell you, I left there the first year with a renewed interest to continue to find places like this, to go ahead and, and do the homework uh, and get it done. That Some of my competitors, I have a couple of guys who just follow me around, they don't do any work on their own, and that's fine, I'll, I'll gladly take the trips and go discover new places, and going in that vein, the new place last year, which I can't wait to go back to this year, was Durham. I mean, Durham Athletic Park, where Bull Durham was filmed, was top three fields I've ever played on. I've already and signed it. up, Scott. I'm planning on going to I Durham. <laughs> hey, Did I mention uh, that you check bounce, or should I not say anything about that? Not on the air. Don't, don't do that on the air. Hey, uh, I want to talk about another one of your fields because it's. I'm trying to give a little uh, variety to our listeners. Rickwood Field. Uh, I looked at images well, of Rickwood, yeah. and it looks pretty interesting. It's it's one of the oldest, if not the oldest. It is the park. oldest continuously used ballpark in America today. It was built in 1910, and for my money, it is the greatest place on the face of the earth, plain and simple. Well, and, we, we uh, have a, an aerial image of it, but I think we have a uh, another image that's probably of the first baseline or the third baseline looking toward the stands. And it's uh, it's a, an homage to Pete Rose. <laughs> Should Rose be in the Hall of Fame? No. And and here's the reason. I agree with you, Scott. And here's the reason why. This big sign here says no betting in this park. That's right. And, and if, if you go into any major league clubhouse to this day, when you walk out of the clubhouse down that tunnel, there is a big red sign that says no 
gambling. That's that right. I tell that to these guys I here. I feel bad about that because he certainly deserves to be as a player. But he broke the rules. And he I, broke I, the rules. I yeah, mean, that's well, what it was. Yeah, he did. He broke the rules as a manager and became he ineligible. Did. You just messed up. He put something bigger. He's put something bigger than the game than the game in front I, of in, in his I, life. I, I agree with you. You're not going to get much of an argument. No. I, mean, I know some yeah. like Cincinnati guys might be a little pissed at that, but you know we have a commissioner of baseball because mm-hmm. there was a gambling problem. That's and, right. Uh, it has always been. Now though, now yeah. I will tell you, I've softened a little bit because <laughs> sports gambling now is MLB's realized, hey, there's some money to make here. There is. Well, if you yeah. do it the right way, though, if you do it, if you do it to yeah, where if you do you it know. the right way, right. don't underhandedly do it. And we're not talking the the 1919 White Sox here, right. but uh, so you know, people will bring that up. You know, and I will tell you, uh, getting into something else, if ask me about the designated hitter later, I'll give you my opinions on that. Okay. <laughs> but it, it, it's unfortunate that our, our all-time hits leader, home run leader, seven-time Cy Young Award winner, these guys might not make the Hall of Fame. Yeah. yeah. And for whatever reasons. And it's uh, disappointing. Very, very, yeah. very disappointing. And I think uh, there are people in the Hall of Fame that don't belong there, and I think there are people mm-hmm. who belong in the Hall of Fame who are not there. Right, For sure. And that, that's a, that's another hour of conversation with me. <laughs> well, sp- speaking of the Hall of Fame, you you have a. But a anyway, turn- can I just get back to Rickwood for one second? Yes, go ahead. It is the oldest park in the, in uh, America. Birmingham is a vibrant, great city. Uh, when I first went to Rickwood, you pull up and you do a walking tour. You can go walk right down the field. And this was over ten or so years ago. And I went out, and it was Willie Mays' first field. And he played for the Birmingham Black Barons there. And I remember just walking out the center field and just uh, just crying my eyes out. And it was just, there is no place as nice as that. And two movies were filmed there. One was Cobb, and the other was 42. Uh, okay. Jackie Robinson's story just recently. Yeah. Both were filmed there. And uh, a great organization called the Friends of Rickwood, they keep this place open because they need clients like me, some high school games. They do have the Rickwood Classic every year. The Barons come back from the downtown stadium and play a game there, which is their big nut. Hopefully a movie shows up every few years, but they're dependent on people like me to come in and play a nominal fee. And they have treated me like gold for six or seven years, and the greatest restaurant is in Birmingham, Alabama. And I, that is For me personally, I make no money on that trip. None. Hmm. What I charge the guys that come down to play pays for itself. I will continue to support Rick Whitfield forever. Uh, even if I lose money, I don't care. Um, because places like that need to be preserved. That's part of our national history. It's a historic landmark. Yeah. And if we don't support it, nobody else is. And it would kill me if I ever heard that the wrecking ball came to Rickwood. Well, if, if my health uh, holds out, I intend to get there. One of, the, so, one of the places I've played, speaking of the Hall of Fame, is at Doubleday with you. And uh, that's that's been a great experience, especially uh, because you inc- include a trip to the Hall of Fame with playing on this field. And the, and the trip to the Hall of Fame was private. It was nice to be in there and really be able to look at the exhibits on our own. That was uh, something we did for a couple of years. I'm not going to lie to you, but I have gotten away from that because the Hall of Fame upped the price. I mean, we had to pay an appearance fee plus the price of a ticket. And 
it was a little bit of a it became a budget buster but yes and uh it was great to have the hall of fame to yourself for an hour hour and a half or whatever it was uh and include that in the trip so i'll hopefully renegotiate with them uh they've been very good to play at the plate i don't want to bad mouth the hall of fame because it's a great institution um but we try to keep the price at a certain number and if things go up one way they have to go up your way and that we try not to. But upstate, uh, we do it at a time of year where basically we have the town. I mean, you don't want to be in Cooperstown in the summer. There's a right. massive youth uh, complex up there. So we go at the end of September. We're one of the last groups. The uh, weather is still nice. Uh, the restaurants don't have lines out the door. You can go out to eat. Uh, and we get most of the games generally at the, uh, the double day field. My son likes that. Uh, th my son likes that New York pizza they serve there. We're not used to that style of uh, pizza here. You don't even have good. pizza. You don't even have. Pizza <laughs> yes, we do. <laughs> we have great pizza here, and and the, the New York right, right. pizza is good too. Hey, no, uh, no, New York pizza is New York pizza. There's another field there in Cooperstown that that you play on that I thought was was wonderful. It's at a campground. It's Beaver Valley Campground, and that field was built by a lovely family. The guy's name is Dwayne Sharitz, and Dwayne built that field. That infield is ground up red bricks. I don't know if you knew that. Well, and it's the, gorgeous. Uh, it doesn't it doesn't drain well, so if it rains a lot, we have problems. But it is a, it's right it's it's a field of dreams type place. It has mm -hmm. corn in the back, uh, a reachable fence for a, a home run every once in a while. But a beautiful little park, and it's uh, it, it adds to what Cooperstown is. And well, Cooperstown's always been a favorite of mine because I could drive there. <laughs> hey, I want to get to one more place, uh, Jackie Robinson Ballpark, where I understand you were the head groundskeeper the last uh, year or so. Uh, just the last year, we so we had an event around uh, this time last year, early February last year, and I had looked at the field uh, the previous April and. It was a historic field. It wasn't the greatest park ever, but its histrionics were quite significant and the fact that it was the site of the first integrated game in baseball history. And it was Jackie Robinson's first time allowed on a field with the Montreal Royals against the Brooklyn Dodgers after three nights of being denied at several other places in Florida. So I looked at the field. We decided to do it. It wasn't a cheap price tag, but I, you know, I still went for it. And when we went down in February, I pulled up to the place, and the place just was not in good shape. And uh, one of the hurricanes that fall had gone right through Daytona Beach, and the stadium, the field is on a little island right in downtown with the water tables very high. So when the tide rose and the storm came in, so the place was underwater. There's padding that's down. It just it wasn't in good shape, and I wasn't happy. And I was talking with these guys who were taking care of the field and they worked for a company called St. John's Turf Care. And I said, well, who are you guys? Because well, we're the people that the, the club uh, hires to take care of the field. We didn't even know about this event until a couple days ago. Our head guy quit. And I was looking to do something else. And before Play at the Plate, I had a landscape maintenance business and construction business here in the Hamptons for 35 years. Uh, and the tumblers just fell into place. And I said, well, what are you paying? They told me, I said, if you can up that to this number, I'd be interested. They said, all right, we'll get back to you. We had the event. I didn't hear from them. I came back to New York. The phone rang. I said, we'll meet it. They're going to be down here in three weeks. And I uh, did the move and went down. And uh, <laughs> it was a challenge. Sure. It, was, uh, it was the wettest spring in Daytona history. 
we pulled that talk 45 times. I kept the daily diary of what was going on. We lost the infield grass at one point uh, because of the constant tarping. The front office was, in all honesty, horrible to deal with. It was a city-owned facility where the equipment was so archaic and antiquated. The lawnmower broke down several times on the out in the outfield where I had to have the town come and tow it off minutes before a game. So it was a challenge. But that all being said, uh, we got it done uh, every game. No game ever got held up because the field wasn't ready. I learned all the real specific things of how to string and how to do the batter's boxes quickly and different technique, techniques of doing the infield and taking care of play, which was different, and uh, putting patterns in the uh, – I loved in the beginning. I was putting patterns in the outfield uh, grass, and uh, we got it done. And the club let me hit with them. And I shagged balls in right field whenever I wanted to. And uh, they embraced me. I had a very good relationship with Ricky Gutierrez, the manager. And a matter of fact, uh, one of the nicest compliments I ever had to, was a red single-A team. And they had uh, great traveling instructors, roving instructors. And two of them were uh, Barry Larkin and Eric Davis. Wow. And we have no like Larkin here. Uh, Larkin's great. Larkin uh, played at and, Michigan. Yep. And uh, I remember... I wanted to meet him. I told Ricky, and he, just before a game started, he goes, Greeny, come on over here. I want you to meet uh, some friends of mine. And he goes, boys, this is Greeny. He goes, he's the only one who knows what the hell is going on around here. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, <that> was, <laughs> I, I would always go in when the, there was a, the, when the rain was coming, usually from the west. When the cell was over the raceway at Daytona, you were 10 minutes away. So we kept an eye on it all the time, and I always go in and tell Ricky not to get his guy up yet in the bullpen, and he always appreciated that. So he he was a great guy. I actually just spoke to him uh, uh, recently. So, uh, awesome. uh, but unfortunately, they have ripped out that field and put in AstroTurf. Well, I want to talk uh, to you about that. That's that's next, next on our list. What do yep. you think, turf versus grass? It, it's uh, well. I looked at it. It looks pretty cool. I'm not going to lie to you. They built the grade up. It's practically level. They didn't have a drainage system at all. So when it rained, it rained. And it came down, and you would actually, the outfield would be totally underwater. I mean, from second base to the center field fence, that place would be underwater. And they lost. we lost nine nights in a row once. Mm. And, you know, they're losing revenue. I think they could have ripped the place out put the drainage system in and put grass back. But they went, they got the town, they got the city to pay for half of it, I guess, I don't know. And uh, it just looks plasticky, and I can't imagine having batting practice on that hot turf at 2.30 in the afternoon at Daytona Beach in June. Uh, I think the players are not going to like it, and the fact that there's only two major league fields that currently have turf like that, I don't see the purpose. And uh, but they're looking to get other rentals, and they're looking to get uh, some concerts. So as far as the Tortuga management looks at it, I understand it and respect it. But I think they screwed around with a historic site, which uh, to me was sacrilegious, in all honesty. So far, uh, you know, how would you feel if you how would you feel if you went to Double Day Field in Cooperstown and saw a turf? No, I wouldn't like and, it. No, exactly, and. Uh, yeah, it, it looks great, and they got a nice Tortugas logo behind home plate, and the place looks sweet, and they put in, you know, two-color green grass to give it that checkered look, but it just, for me, they could have done it. I got everything done, and but 
they made they, they made the decision, and so unfortunately, uh, there wasn't really much work left for me. So, uh, and, and St. John's was not going to stay. So, uh, I had my season there, but I got to meet some great people: uh, David Eckstein, his brother Rick, uh, Butch Weiniger. I mean, the list goes on and on, and they were all genuinely nice people. I collected one hat from every team that came in there. Mm. Uh, so it was. Do I chalk it up as a great experience? No, I don't know if it was just because of the hard work. I, I lost 20 pounds, uh, which I needed. But uh, would I do it again? Yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Scott, All that being said, I don't know if I want to do it the same way it happened last year, but if another job came up, uh, I'll take it. Scott, sure. we're going we're gonna, to um, move along here from you, but um, – I want people to know if they if they if they're interested in a play at the plate experience, go to playattheplate.org, and uh, you know you'll you'll have contact with Scott Green right away. Uh, and there's a lot of information there, and it's been it's been wonderful for me. Whenever I I can get to one of your events, I love it. I've met some wonderful people who are friends to, to today, like like Brian Daly, uh, and uh, it's uh, it's it's been wonderful. We love having you on today, Scott. Uh, maybe we can do this again sometime. You're fascinating to listen to, but we're going to let you hang up now and get on with your business. I understand you've got a, yeah, got I'm some traveling. To to I'm, I'm heading to New York to a dinner with some friends of mine to talk them into coming to Iowa. So <laughs> I'm going to get there one yeah. of these days. I hope you do. Listen, and thanks to both of you very much. Jesse, you, you uh, enhance our camps, and uh, I'm blessed to know people like you, and and I appreciate the support and the uh, airtime. God bless, Scott. Thrilled to have you. Thanks so much, Scott. Right. Thank okay. you for coming Take on, care. Scott. Thanks. All right. Well, we're going to move on to some other other issues here. Before we move on, though, I just want our viewers to know that the images that they saw when we were talking about turf and natural grass, uh, the first image was of Comerica Park, and the second image was uh, of Eastern Michigan University's Orstrike Field, Hmm. which is, if I recall correctly, all turf, including a turf mound. Um, Up here in the Midwest, I think turf is an asset because it lets you get out or it lets you get out and practice on your field a lot quicker a lot sooner especially in college baseball when your season starts in february sure there's some high schools around here that have turf and it's nice and it's a real asset you know and you can have that day where you have that pouring down rain Mm -hmm. but that that turf is completely dry within five minutes have you ever seen the sprinklers just the the way that they move water off of the field at comerica just suck it up it's weird they like take earth out it's like a hole, and then they just like squeegee everything into this hole. <laughs> you do know that uh, Mickey Mantle's career was cut short by stepping on a drain. In yeah. The outfield, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, play it as it lies, <laughs> just you know. <laughs> uh, well, uh, the problem with turf in a place like he's talking about, which is uh, yeah, humid, uh, Daytona, very yeah, Beach, humid, Florida, lots of rain. Well, most rain, but well, th- think about that. Uh, it's uh, what happens to turf in the sun. It radiates to, yeah. the heat. Oh yeah, the temperature will go up 10, 15 mm-hmm. degrees above yeah. the ambient temperature. So you probably you're bake have, a small pie off of that. You're going to go from ninety to one hundred and ten mm-hmm. on the field. Ugh. Tough, tough conditions to play in. Uh, Scott was very uh, 
gracious about what happened there. Yeah, no, and uh, that's, a baseball it, purist kind of a, wants to play on grass. You do. That's the biggest thing. Like we said, I think in the first episode, is that that feeling of seeing the field. I mean, that's that's what you get. Although I do have to say, uh, some of these places that have turf have very, very real life looking turf. Yeah, it's changed from the original Houston Astros Stadium. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, uh, we signed somebody uh, since our last show. Yeah, we are now considered the uh, new Pittsburgh Pirate <laughs> infield. Hey, that's okay. You know, Josh Harrison going to play second for us. I like seeing it. You got Jordy Mercer now. Now you got, you know, the short compliment. Stop. You got the compliment. Yeah. I mean, that's what's going to really happen. And he was on uh, 97.1, uh, the ticket. The other day, and he was talking on the radio. Basically, they asked him, "You know, are you excited to be here? You think you're going to be a game changer or anything like that?" And he goes, "You know, to be honest, and I'm not trying to inflate my ego, but the biggest thing is where I go, people like watching me play. It's because they can see that I'm having fun and I love the game so much, and I'm a game changer." Basically, what he was saying. And I, I saw some video like of that. Harrison, his last game in Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. and the fans were very appreciative of him and the guy. way he plays. Yeah, I like the way he sounds. I like the way he plays. I like the way he kind of leads his team a little bit, yep. has good good favor with his teammates. So well, We wish and him good luck and good health here in yeah, Detroit. Yeah, that's right. And, and he and will be wearing uh, Lou Whitaker's number one this season, and is if, what's been announced. You know, Mr. Avila, if you're... If he's doing well, if all these guys are doing well, it's not necessarily trade bait. We don't have to trade away these guys. <laughs> yep. Well, let's let's see how it goes. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, we're we've been watching these free agent deals, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And Machado got a deal. Yep. yep. So Harper seems to be the next guy in line. Well, well, all, well, Harper can now be saying, "I want more money." Yeah. Because, because of this deal that just happened uh, about a half hour before we came on yep. air. Nolan Arenado and the Colorado Rockies, uh, Mr. Third have, Baseman, uh, agreed to an eight-year, two hundred and sixty million dollar extension. He's getting they're getting big contracts. I mean, this is just an extension for him. I think this year was his last right. year on the uh, his original contract, and he w- had already made off of arbitration. I think a record in arbitration money um, going into this year, at like twenty six point eight million dollars as an arbit. Wow. Um, so I was just on the Twitterverse, and uh, people believe that that this deal, this Arenado deal, could uh, push Harper's market up to three hundred and fifty million. That's just uh, That's not. Crazy. Do you believe? Do you believe in that, Jess? Do you believe that Harper's worth that much? And he and I, I, Boris. I Boris is his agent, has, by the way. I think way. baseball has gone too far in the other direction. Right. What is what happened? You know, we we're talking about Kurt Flood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you signed, let's say, with the St. Louis Cardinals, mm-hmm. you were a Cardinal for life until they were ready to get rid of you. Yep. Flood fought that. These guys now, six years in the big leagues, they're a free agent. They can go where they want if they've proved their worth, and teams start bidding. Yeah. It's not the players' fault though. Who's willing yeah. to pay it? No. Yeah. Who, who's paying it? The owners, the, when, the, the when teams. When you go and get a job and you negotiate a, co- a salary, who has to agree to that? Wait, you're telling me I can negotiate my salary? Do you get paid? <laughs> <laughs> 
I, w- I, w- I would like one million dollars. Yes, one million. Months. No news on Harper at this very Nothing moment. Nothing right now. Uh, I heard from uh, earlier that he had a, a quali- he had a uh, he rejected a qualifying offer from the Phillies, and it, apparently it was a big one. It was. But it was it, over three hundred million. Yeah, it was. It was. But Boris, that's what we were talking about yesterday. It, Boris is gonna want the best for everybody. I, I mean, Harper. Harper really. I know people are probably gonna think I'm crazy for the, for saying this. But I think he has the upper hand in this scenario. Of course he does. But and will he? Will and, be? When will he report to spring training? And the same thing. And the same thing with Mike Trout. When Mike Trout becomes a free agent, you know, oh, the market will blow up. I mean, if any team is not willing to shut out uh, four hundred, here's the thing. When, when, when's Trout off of uh, his contract uh, with the Angels? So twenty twenty one, I believe. So that right when the Tigers are in competitive or mode. 2020, it's either twenty twenty or twenty twenty one. Would you like to see Mike Trout in a uh, in a you know old English D jersey? I would love to see. <laughs> you know, if you if you look at what the Tigers have right now, uh-huh. you added the right two players. Mm-hmm. They could be in playoff contention easily. But I don't think they want to spend is, the money. Is Harper yeah. one of the right players? No, I know Corey's 20, opinion 20, on 2023, this. I believe, is when Cabrera's off his big contract, uh, yes. right? Harper is the yes. wrong guy for Detroit. Right, right. Harper I is. Would be, Harper is. But would, is Trite the right guy? I'm happy to have Castellanos in right field rather than Harper. Yes. If I can spend the money on the right type of relief pitcher mm-hmm. and another guy who can bang the ball. Exactly. And you don't have to pay $300 million nope. to find a guy who's young in their career that can hit the ball. Right. Yes. And, I, and he doesn't have to be a guy that's going to hit you 35 home runs. No. How correct. about a guy that's going to hit you, th- hit 320 and knock in 105? Right. That's what we need. We need we need base runners to be moved along. But Placido Polanco, will you come out of retirement? No. <laughs> no. You, Please. You know what stat about Polanco I really like? He had a season where he committed zero errors. Zero. Yeah. That was huge. I watched that game that was on tape this morning, Mm -hmm. and I watched the guy who was playing shortstop that I say too much about the way he bats, so we won't mention his name anymore, (laughs) come in on a ball that was bouncing, and it just popped right out of his glove. Yeah. You have to have defense. You do. You have to have a good glove. And defense up the middle. Yep. Trammel, Whitaker, Lemon, and... Parish. Wrong errors make the difference in the game. You could be up twelve to nothing. All of a sudden, errors start flooding in. Oof. Speaking of which, Tigers are up seven to two right now right. against New York in spring training. Hey, uh, we the had Mets, some sad the news. Yankees. The Mets, yes. Some sad news last week. Yeah, Don uh, Newcomb passed yep, away Don at ninety-two. Newcomb passing away. Yep. I, uh, as you guys know, you know, I'm old. Number thirty-six for the Brooklyn Dodgers. The but Don Newcomb was another guy I'd see on Saturday afternoons, NBC, Vince Scully announcing Don Newcomb pitching. Mm-hmm. Don Newcomb pitched in such—he he had at least three years where he won over 20 games, and I believe one year he had 27 wins. Don Newcomb was a great pitcher. Uh, and uh, missed 1956, 27 and 7 he went. Missed two years of playing because he— was in the war, the war that hopefully the president of the United States and the dictator in North Korea are going to end here in the next few days. Hopefully, yeah. Um, he have sir, a Did he ever get a Cy Young? Did Don? You know, I don't know. Is, huh. You're looking at it. Yeah. You tell me. Doesn't show. 
Huh. Uh, maybe he didn't. You know, he pitched probably in the shadow of Sandy yeah. Koufax. Here's the thing: twenty-seven and seven. That's that right there. I mean, that's really good. Yeah, yeah. you're never going to see that ever again. No. Well, I mean, Verlander, what that year he uh, won? He, Cy he Young did MVP. win a Cy Young. Oh, he did. And he did win an MVP. Oh, there you and go. And he was a Rookie of the Year, four-time All-Star, and 1955 World Series champion. Well, there you go. How about that? Yeah, the Dodgers uh, struggled to get uh, that World Series win. They were always against the Yankees. And they played them like four or five years in that era. I don't know if they were all in a row, but, mm -hmm. you know. 1956 hmm. is when he won his Cy Young. Oh, okay. That makes sense. And, so, and MVP, both in the same year. So mm -hmm. on that team, in 1956, the Dodgers had Robinson, mm -hmm. Colfax, Newcomb. That's a pretty good start to a ball team right there. Yeah, think. yeah, yeah. Yeah, and uh, you know he had a three fifty six ERA for his lifetime. That's not bad considering he he played for a long time, and uh, yeah, he's missed. That's a legacy. Yeah, there aren't too many guys uh, in their nineties uh, that are former ball players that are still around. I did yeah. get to meet uh, Billy Rogel before he passed. Oh, really? former councilman here in Detroit, but yep. he was a shortstop for the Tigers. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that infield, when Rogel played for them, between the four infielders, over 400 RBI. Wow. Can you imagine what those guys would make today? Way <laughs> over what they're asking for Bryce Harper. Yeah. <laughs> so um, our last thing is our traditional thing. You know, what, we, what, we, what's on the plate today? We, we feature a food every single week. Uh -huh. You're going to get uh, some dessert today, this finally? This week, I mean, I would love if the... Uh, you know how hard it, it is to eat dessert? Hold on. You know how hard it is to eat actual really wonderful desserts at a ballpark and not get sticky and messy? But isn't that the best part? It is. I know. It's just, well, you know. I mean, you could be drinking that beer and get messy. I mean... Oh, I always get messy when I'm drinking a beer well, at the ballpark. I haven't had lunch yet, and somebody <laughs> out there was having pizza earlier. Oh. So just looking at this, I'm getting hungry. What is yeah, it? Um, so this is from Fenway Park, uh -huh. home of the Boston Red Sox. Ah. This is the creme brulee French toast. Mm. Uh, so this is a dessert, according to Fenway Park. Is it dessert um, or is it breakfast? I think it's both. Hmm. You, you think know. the Red Sox eat this just before they go on the field? Oh, of course. It, it is a Did you see Schilling before? <laughs> <laughs> it is a French toast uh, with pastry cream and chocolate ganache with Vermont maple syrup oh, <laughs> and Fenway Farms strawberry sauce. It is also topped with powdered sugar just for good measure. What? No whipped cream? Jeez. Um, if there is someone out there at Fenway Park that would like to airmail us one. <laughs> I will gladly try this and let them know how it is on air. It looks I, delicious. I say we get our viewers to possibly send us out to these ballparks to try these out and to give or, our viewers. Or if you're a viewer and you are a chef, Come if, on if you can make some of this stuff, yeah, we will. We we'll will, promote we you. We'll try it. Yeah, you know, we'll try we, it and promote you. We had the Pittsburgher a few weeks yeah. ago, yep. and there is a Primanti restaurant in in our area. So we guess you guys are going to be seeing us eating on on uh, you know on on air. So that's just, what's going to happen. Just don't expect me to eat that vegan hot dog. Uh, no, uh, no, no you dog? gotta try it. What? Everything on our <laughs> list, you gotta try. As, as I've gotten older, I want to eat stuff that's more heart smart. So sure. this uh, this French toast deal, I. You know, I'd have to split it with you guys. Split it, as in like 
you know, 60-40? Yeah, 60-40. No, i take my 33%. Okay, I, that's I'd, fine. I'd be okay with All that. All right, yeah. And then go back for seconds. Maybe. <laughs> go get another one. I have a terrible sweet tooth. I like the carbs. You know, give me cake. If you're going to give me ice cream, put ice cream on the cake. Yeah. All right. Well, that's all for this week, guys. Great to be with you. Good to have you back, Corey. Thank you. It was wonderful having Scott Green on for Play mm-hmm. at the Plate. And as always, the stat man did a great job. That's it. Let's play two. Woo.